a uh, word of introduction before the scripture reading this evening. Uh, Every country has certain rules by which to live life in that particular country by. So, for instance, the kingdom of the United States of America has certain rules, uh, certain financial rules even. Uh, For instance, uh, one rule is, you know, if you want a better life, you need more money than a better life. And if you don't have more money, just max out your credit cards and you can have a better life. Uh, If you get hurt, find a company to sue. And uh, if you don't like something you have, just throw it away. Buy something better, right? Uh, But more seriously, uh, it is is wise uh, to uh, plan and invest prudently. Uh, It's important to have careful financial records for tax purposes. Uh, It's important to teach children about spending, about saving, about giving. Certain rules living in the the kingdom of the United States of America. Well, when Jesus walked this earth, he did a lot of teaching. And uh, Jesus' teaching wasn't about the Roman Empire. It was about the kingdom of God and the rules that govern the kingdom of God. Oftentimes, Jesus would tell a story to get across his, the point about the kingdom of God. We call these parables. And so tonight, we're going to focus our attention on one of Jesus' parables, and it is simply a, a story about money. And so I invite you to, to turn or to uh, look to uh, Luke chapter 16, and I will be reading uh, verses 1 through 15. Uh, the parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? Uh, 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? Thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Mighty God, our our prayer is simply this, uh, that your word would be a living word, an active word, a convicting word in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The theme of this message, the point I want to get across is simple. It is use money to benefit the kingdom of God. Use money to benefit the kingdom of God. And so first, I'd like us to think about this parable, and uh, I'd like to attempt to explain this parable of, the, uh, of this dishonest steward. Uh, it is one of the more difficult parables to get that Jesus spoke. I mean, the prodigal son, the lost son, okay, the parable of the good Samaritan, you know, the sower in the seed, and then we, we come to this where the unethical guy is praised. What's going on here? Uh, the other problem with this parable is, quite frankly, verse 9. You know, what in the world does it mean? Now, I'm going to have on the screen, we're going to go through a couple Bible translations. Because uh, one, one thing that uh, I... You know, you can do if you come to a difficult verse is to look at uh, different Bible translations. So the first one is the Young's Literal Translation. This is, uh, nobody really reads this. You can, it's in English, but it's more of to refer to. I'm sorry, does anybody study this? Uh, It's more to refer to. So the Young's Literal Translation really is like, Almost, not quite, but just word for word what the Greek text is. Okay, so Young's little translation. Now think if this is the only thing you had to read, okay? Uh, And I say to you, make to yourselves friends out of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye may fail, they may receive you to the age during tabernacles. Amen, I'm done with my sermon. (laughs) So uh, let, let's look at the English Standard Version. This is a, uh, a very uh, popular uh, version, uh, relatively new out, and uh, st- still uh, attempts to kind of strictly follow the Greek text order, but it has to make changes. And, but anyway, the ESV. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. I- even that part, what, what does that mean? Uh, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Well, that's, that's, that's easier to understand. Uh, now we're going to look at the NIV. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. 
So mammon of unrighteousness is, is money, okay, worldly wealth, uh, to gain friends for yourself. So that when it's gone, the other translations, so that when it fails, okay, but when it's gone, uh, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And uh, the last translation is the New Living uh, translation. Here's the lesson. Uh, Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you you to an eternal home. Uh, We see in this parable that Jesus is using a negative example to make a positive point. And uh, we have to be careful. Parables, you know, they have a point. It's not that we necessarily need to find some spiritual thing in every detail of the parable. And I don't think that's Jesus' intent here. He's telling the story uh, to drive home a simple truth about the kingdom of God. Now let's uh, just think about this story a little bit more. Uh, There's a manager, and he's about to get fired. Uh, In the area of Galilee and uh, first century Palestine, uh, there were, in fact, large landed estates uh, that were big enough that the owner would give managers considerable responsibility over those estates. So as Jesus is telling this story, you know, people are thinking, I mean, they're Galileans, oh yeah, we, we know that big place farm over there. Oh yeah, that farm. Oh yeah, that guy's the manager of that farm. So they're tracking with with Jesus and what he's what he's saying here. Uh, now, in this case, the manager had not done good work. He was put on notice, and uh, apparently he did not have any family land that he could go back to to farm. Uh, he's thinking about, you know, what am I going to do next? How am I going to have money to live? So he comes up with this uh, scheme to reduce the debts that were owed to, his, uh, to the owner that's going to that's gonna fire him. And uh, so what he's doing is he's planning for his future. So he goes to, the, to one and says, okay, how much do you owe uh, olive oil? Okay, this, you know, you're going to reduce this. And uh, wheat, okay, reduce, reduce the bill. Uh, from what I studied on this, even though one is cut in half and one by 20%, uh, the approximate value is about the same in each of those, 500 denarii. And a denarii was a day's wage back then. It's a lot of money, okay? Uh, He was doing a huge favor to these these debtors, you know. Uh, They were saving a lot. And uh, this manager had it, you know, uh, had it reduced. So now when I read the story, I don't know about you, and if, if I pretend I've never heard the story before and I'm hearing it for the first time, I'm thinking, okay, the owner is going to put this guy in jail. You scoundrel, why did you do that? Now I, I'm not making as much. I mean, this is how I'm thinking. You know, he's going to be, you know, this guy's toast. Surprise. Jesus does this, right? Su- surprising people all the time. Surprise, you don't expect this. The owner commends this dishonest manager. He's like, you are a clever guy. I see, I see what you're doing. Oh, that's, 
that's very clever. I might not like it, but you're a clever guy. Well, it just doesn't sit right with us and our you know, morality. You know, what's going on here? And, and commentators, in fact, have tried to uh, explain this. I mean, we don't know. Here are some scenarios that could be true. Uh, one is that the manager had uh, added extra into what was owed for his own commission. So what he was actually doing was just taking off his commission. So the owner wasn't receiving any less than he expected. The manager wasn't getting commission, just to score points for later. Uh, another uh, scenario is that since, uh, based on Old Testament law, uh, a fellow Jew could not charge a fellow Jew interest, maybe what they were doing, the owner and the manager, was just inflating the price. And we're not charging interest, we're just inflate the price. And so the manager was really just bringing the price down to uh, what was uh, more acceptable uh, in the economy of those times. Uh, so these, these scenario, scenarios are plausible, but we can't definitely say, you know, this is what happened. Uh, the point was, is uh, this manager who was not doing good work for his owner used money in a clever way so that when he lost his job, he would be provided for. The point, thinking about the future, how are we planning for the future? The kingdom of God, the causes of God are eternal. And do we think about how we can use our present money to benefit the kingdom of God? Can we be clever and shrewd and just so wise in how we use what we have now to invest in people and in causes that will stretch on into eternity? I mean, we think about investments, right? And what is the yield of this investment? What's it going to do for me 20 years from now? Okay, fine, that's good. But what about eternity? What an investment that is to invest in eternity. And you can use money to do that now to invest in eternity. Well, let's think about learning from the parable. So point two, learning from the parable. Uh, we find from Luke 16 that money is powerful. Money is powerful. Uh, the manager, he knew money was powerful and he used it in a way to benefit himself. Uh, later on in the passage, after the parable is done, uh, Jesus uh, utters these famous words. No servant can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The power of money in our lives. What controls us? Jesus asks us this question. You can't serve two masters. What are you devoted to is another way to, to phrase that. As we know, people commit crimes just for more money. It is that important. 
There are people that are so devoted to money and their work, they won't commit crimes. But at the end of their life, all of a sudden they realize that they have neglected something so much more important, the relationships, the people around them. They've neglected this just for the sake of money. People also do weird things with money. Just weird things. I, I heard of this church. Elders, don't get any ideas here, okay? Okay. There are strange things out. This church, the elder board, they voted and said, we will give $200 to any member who is able to recruit someone else to become a member of our church. Okay, oh, that's a nice incentive. Uh, when, uh, this is when my brother was in college. Um, he was at Trinity in Palos. Uh, he had a friend there. Well, he liked her. His girlfriend, okay. So uh, she's there. One night, she gets a phone call. It was a radio show. Guess what? You have been selected. You are going to win this cash prize and this vacation. There's only one catch. You have to shave your head bald. She's, and so she's talking. She talked to her friends, you know. And it's, she said, okay, I'll do it. And so my brother's girlfriend, I mean, shaved her head bald. Come to realize it was some guys from another college. And it was simply a prank. No money, no trip, and a bald college woman. But when we think about the, uh, the power of money, uh, what is your primary motivation? Your pri what, what are you devoted to? And uh, Jesus is asking us a hard question here. 1 Timothy 6, the love of money. Not money, but the love of money is the root of evil or of all kinds of evil. So we have to be so careful of its influence in our lives. Uh, Jesus talks about money a lot. And he uses money to illustrate truths. The parable of the lost coin. The parable of the talents. There are stories of the rich ruler, Zacchaeus. Uh, the poor widow with her offering at the temple. Jesus teaches about paying taxes to Caesar. He teaches about being generous in, uh, with, with the money that you have. And uh, money is important to save and to spend, to give. Money affects us. It affects how we think. It even can affect our emotions as well. It can easily have a grip on our hearts. And when it comes to Christian discipleship, money is so important. Jesus acknowledged the fact that to be a disciple of Jesus means Jesus is Lord. You've heard this before over every area of your life. And a huge area of our lives, of course, is money. We're dealing with it all the time. And to be a disciple of Jesus should have consequences in terms of how we handle money. God watches how we spend money. He knows how we feel about money as well. And uh, lastly, managing money. Point three, managing money. So verse, that verse nine, 
we looked at earlier, uh, which is one of the key verses of the parable. Use money to benefit the kingdom of God. Use money to, to benefit people. Because people are eternal. What a, what a wise and clever way to use the money we have now. Money, not eternal, but it can be used for something that is eternal. Of course, there is a place for wise, earthly investments. I need to say that. To be honest with you, my dad was a uh, financial advisor. That's what I grew up with. You know, he was a financial advisor. Um, I will say this about my dad. Um, I, I, I could tell that uh, he left work at work, and he was not consumed with, with money and always thinking and all, you know, about money and all, and all of this. It was, it was his job. It's, it's an important job to take care of money, uh, but it did not consume him. And uh, both of my parents uh, were good uh, role models in terms of faithful giving, in terms of generous giving. And uh, they didn't force that on me, but it just, I'll tell you, it, it seeped into me. It just kind of grew into me. And this is part of the, the rule of kingdom of God living that uh, my parents deposited within me, uh, for which now uh, I am very grateful. Uh, one way, easy way, of course, to use money to invest in the kingdom of God is to, in, is to invest in the church, uh, invest in, in faithful giving. Uh, there are studies out there. Uh, you know, I don't know what nowadays the exact statistics are about you know, 20% of the people give 80% of the church budget or whatever it is, but you'd be surprised at how small of a percentage that is. And uh, what an opportunity uh, for all of us to invest in God's kingdom purposes in his church. And, and what happens when you invest in the church? It's, it's in the church ministries, but it's also in ministries outside of this building. Uh, tapestries of life, uh, care nets, and, and all of the different uh, uh, mission and uh, Christian ministries this church supports. Uh, that's an investment when you give it's not an obligation, it's an investment into eternity. Uh, I'm going to uh, close with uh, three, three practical hints. I'm going to give you all some, some investment advice right now, okay? So just listen up. Oh, sorry. Anyway, here's, here's three, three things. Uh, one thing is, is the tithe, 10% of your income. Now, the I, you know, the Old Testament talks about a tithe, 10%. The New Testament doesn't specifically say this, but I think, what a wonderful, what a wonderful uh, uh, rule of thumb uh, for us. At, at least, that's the least we can do, is uh, give 10%, and, and then from 10%, work up from, work up, work up from there. Don't, I, I don't think the New Testament church... I don't think the Apostle Paul said 10% and that's it. I think he was saying, you know, give, give generously. So I'm saying, you know, maybe 10% is a good rule, and, and then you, you go from there as, uh, as, uh, as God leads you. Uh, so 
So giving. Uh, second, lower and seek to eliminate consumer debt. Uh, I, I think that uh, there's too many people that do not live within their means. And so they're living larger than what they're really making. And, and you can do that by maxing out your credit cards. And when you do that, you are not financially free, and this restricts your giving. So, I mean, I think that's a, just a very practical way uh, to be able to be more free to invest in kingdom of God purposes. And, and then third, uh, have a monthly budget. Now, in college, I uh, started out as an accounting major. And I was really good at accounting. And, I mean, accounting is a great profession. It just was not me. Amen. Good. Uh, but you know what's funny is I, I, I like doing our monthly budget at, at, at home. I get into this, you know. Sometimes I'm, my wife's not too happy about that. No, she's, she's on board. Uh, but I will tell you, from month one of our marriage, we had a monthly budget. And what was so nice about that is right there was giving. I mean, it was in there. And I wasn't going to take any money from there and put it in another book. It was there. And my wife and I just, both of us said, we are going to honor being good stewards by giving to God and investing in kingdom purposes. And so I'm just telling you one way that has helped me to be a faithful giver is simply that, that, monthly, that monthly budget. And uh, I even do that with uh, gifts. If anybody, uh, you know, like a family member might give us uh, a check for Christmas, oh, put money into giving. From, what, a, what a blessing. We can give more now. Um, because it is a blessing to invest in, king, in uh, God's kingdom purposes. Uh, I believe that this message tonight has an application for each person in this room. If you are a new Christian, if you have walked with the Lord for 70 years, there is a message for you from Luke 16, Jesus' parable about money. And why do I say that? Because relative to the world, we live in a very affluent society. Uh, money is all around. It's in our faces every day. We need it. We use it. This is good. Uh, but... I believe God's challenging. He's challenging me. How can I be more faithful? What am I missing in terms of being a Christian disciple and having an open hand with money? Uh, all of us need to consider this word from God. Uh, for one person, it may be I need to start giving 3% because I've given nothing and headed towards 10 uh, for somebody, it might be, you know, I've been giving this much for so long, I have this extra money, and God has put on my heart. He wants me to give in this kingdom cause. I don't know what it is for you tonight, but I believe this parable about money is so important for us living uh, in these modern times. And uh, we really need to seek God with how we can be more honoring with money. I close with three questions. Three questions for you. What kind of grip does money have on you? 
Is God pleased with how you use money? How you spend money? And third, how are you using money in ways that reach into eternity? 